So uh, the sermon today will talk about the incarnation. Uh, it's a kind of a big word, uh, and somebody said, I think I've said it before in uh, church, but um, um, incarnation means coming into the, coming in the flesh, which makes more sense in English because I had to explain it to Lily and she got all confused in Danish, but. Um, but I had somebody, um, somebody um, say, so I, so I might, for myself, remember, because if you like, this doesn't make any sense, but it will help you remember, if you like chili con carne, it means in carne, it means in meat, so you can remember, it's God coming in, not in meat, but in flesh. That's the way I remembered ever since, so maybe it's helpful to remember that. From the first slide, we also have from Isaiah 9, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And these wonderful promises of who the Messiah was going to be. And then, um, but then I was, I was so stuck, I didn't know what to talk about. Because uh, in the old days, Lee always used to travel. So I, uh, Christ, Christ, Christmas and uh, Easter is the ones the sermons I've done the most. I was like, how can I keep making a sermon about the same things? But then, this week, oh, this week I got this email. Also, Lee got the same email. Let's see if he, uh, he read his emails. Uh, from a pastor called Dan from English 3. And he has this very interesting nativity. But he, in his email, he also asked, what, what is the only animal that's actually named as being in Jesus, at Jesus' birth? So I had a crisis two years ago, I think, two or three years ago, I had this big crisis where like, I found out that Mary doesn't have a donkey. Because in all the, all the stories and all the pictures, you see like Mary on a donkey, but that is never mentioned. So I was like, what? There's no donkey. So it's not a donkey. But then also Paul said on our run today, well, surely it's sheep then. No, it's not sheep either. It's none of those animals. And so it's also a little bit from, Daniel's also just trying to encourage us. And also, like, just all the people's names I, wrote, I read, I know it's a really long list. But Jesus comes from a, what would you call it, very, very interesting family. With a very, very strange and many weird things happening. And when we go through the Old Testament, we see he comes out of a very strange family. So it's, it's really important to know for us what does the Bible say and what do we sometimes put into the Bible? What is like well-meaning movies and other things kind of put in there? Uh, there's this uh, series called Mendo in Danish now, which teaches some Danish culture. And people would, they would periodically send the series. And there's this uh, scene, people would say, why are you censoring? Why is that scene not there? But that scene had never been there. But it was so vivid in people's imagination that that scene of a man standing outside knocking uh, and he dies of pneumonia, people are like, why is it not there? But it's never been there. But it was just implanted by, by thinking and remembering on it. Uh, and I think just a good reminder is also um, It's a good reminder for us to not put things into the word that's not there, um, and also just a 
uh, an encouragement to actually search what is there. So what kind of animal is it? Is it a camel? No, because the wise men are not there either. They will come later. So if you have a nativity, the wise men should be on their way. They should be there. As we read from, from Matthew, they are come later. And Jesus is a little older. Then what kind of animal is it? Well, it's a dragon. A red dragon. This, this is probably more accurate. A red, web, red, red dragon with seven heads. What are you talking about? Would somebody say. Well, if you turn to your Bibles, to Revelation 12, we can read from there. Revelation 12. I have a, a long time ago, I think, I have a, Lee, saw, Lee's kind of said, Lee kind of said when I presented I was going to do this sermon many, many, many years ago, he's like, you're crazy. Uh, and I was like, maybe slightly crazy. But I did a sermon on this one time. I was totally sick and eight, six other people sick. We set it all up, it was going to be brilliant. Like, it's going to be the theme of Jesus, he comes as a baby, but really in spiritual reality, he comes as a conquering king. And he, 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 actually at that service, I rappelled through the ceiling uh, in Bethel, down in full army gear my dad had, uh, while they were playing like a DVD which, of the Band of Brothers from the D-Day invasion. They didn't really see me, so it's kind of, but that's fine. But it's about what's happening there in Revelation 12. And so uh, I can, uh, I can, let's uh, just read there a little bit from what actually happens in Revelation 12. I also have to get there. And a great sign appeared in the heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and with her, her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and in agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in the heavens. Behold, a great red, red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was cut up to God and to his throne, whereas she was placed, she, where, she, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, just keep reading 12, because I have all those slides, but I think we're not going to read the whole thing. But it's about, it's about how, even it's about, what I'm trying to explain to you guys is that it's just not just, it's not just the Almighty God coming in a little baby. In a very spiritual sense, it's an invasion of earth. It's a reclaiming 
of God's creation. Now the devil didn't think that's a very interesting, something to be done. And we, but we even see in the physical, well, as we read from Matthew, Herod is inspired by the devil to kill all the kids. Other people have in history been very inspired by the devil all the time. And we see even, unfortunately, Peter, when Jesus rebukes him, said, get behind me, Satan. And maybe we even find ourselves working for the devil, the dragon. But that's exactly why Jesus had to come. Interesting thing is how he came. We see the great battle in the spiritual realm. I think the spiritual realm doesn't understand. The evil spiritual forces don't understand. That it's an upside, upside down kingdom where God, Almighty God, He comes in extreme weakness, humbleness. We read later on, He emptied Himself. But also to show to us that not by our power, our extreme devotion, or even self-infliction of pain or striving, can we make a path to God. No, God Himself comes to us. And that's what we're celebrating here. The incarnation of the all-powerful, all-knowing God. To be dependent on other people. But not only dependent, he also experiences what it's like to be helpless. The all-powerful being helpless, being a pain, being a being a baby. Being misunderstood by his family, being mocked, being beaten, being killed, counted as cursed. In weakness, Jesus cured, conquered all. Through his death. But rising, he justifies us who believe in him because death had no hold on him. He rose again. And he ascended to the power, place of power at the right hand of the Father. And he's preparing to come back. And, and for us as believers, we, we do celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but, but we also, when Advent time, look forward to this, what we call the second Advent, the second coming of Christ. That he's at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place, but he's also coming back that everything would be made right. The new heaven, the new earth, where your tears will be wiped away and we shall be with God. And then we'll see it all be for the praise and the glory of God because also we're going to read later that no matter if people believe in Jesus or not, every knee will bow. Some will be bowing in rejoicing and in, in worship. And some people will bow with their gnashing of teeth. So one of the things I was really a lot reminded about, oh, this is actually the guy, <laughs> this is Dan's nativity, so he has a red dragon up there. It's lacking seven heads, but it's okay. Um, I was just reminded this Christmas about, and maybe it's about the year, but at just the right time, Jesus came. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent for the Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. 
that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. I think maybe a lot of you have experienced this year's delays or postponements. I know some have many times. So maybe we can start thinking, well, maybe God is late. But the encouragement here is that He's always right on time. That doesn't mean that we always think it's the right time. Um, I think as an encouragement as we look to this particular thing where at just the right time God sent Jesus. Historically, as historically you can look at it and say, well, there was a Pax Romana, so you could actually spread their all this gospel pretty fast. So if you look outside the Bible, you can see there was some things that made it easier for, for the gospel to spread at that time. But I think a lot more, it's a lot more about, it's a, it's a lot more about God's timing. Because we are also longing for Jesus to come back, and we're all like, well, Jesus, isn't it bad enough now? Can we get but he will also come at just the right time. So Jesus was promised already in Genesis 3, and, and people were oppressed, and they, they hadn't heard for, from God for 400 years. They're like, come on, when is the Messiah coming? But just at the right time. And the beautiful passage from John, John 1, where it says that Jesus came so that if we believed, we could be the children of God. From Galatians, it says the same here, that we could receive adoption as sons, no longer slaves, but sons, and if sons, then heirs with God, adopted into God's family. So that's just one of the things I wanted to encourage you guys with. And I guess it's not just this year. I think it's any time we're in in need and in prayer, we're like, God, why are you late? I think we're doing this and in the incarnation that God is always right on time. Then we have the one from Philippians. Paul's addressing how they should treat each other. But in this, he also really shows a lot about who Jesus is. He says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form, very form of God, did not account equality with God as thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is not above every name, so that in him, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under earth, and every tongue can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That was the one I was referencing before. Paul's addressing a church here 
and he's asking them to to relate relate to him each other well and he uses Jesus as an example say Jesus was always worshipped with God he chose to empty himself and become be born as I said as a helpless baby he humbles himself and as he's in the world he is obedient all the way through even to the death on the cross God then First Jesus humiliates himself, but then God raises him up. And then in the future we will, when the end of time comes, everyone will bow their knee to Jesus. And he will bring the Father much glory. So Jesus conquers the world in humbleness and in obedience. thing was like, but what does that mean for us? Is this, is this what it means when Jesus says in Luke 9, take up your cross and follow me? That we will empty ourselves of ourselves so that we will be filled with Christ. This mindset is yours in Christ. So if we empty ourselves, being filled with Christ, is that taking up my cross and following Jesus every day? emptying myself so there's room for him. Also to, to do that so we can be filled with the hope of the glory of God, that, that on that day when Jesus comes, I, it's, it's such an encouragement verse for me, and I think I've said many times that, that it doesn't matter who you are, if you're rich or poor, or you love Jesus or you don't want Jesus, you will be on your knees confessing that Jesus is Lord of all. Everyone will glorify God. It doesn't matter. Like I said before, some will gnashing teeth, teeth hating who He is. Other of us, hopefully, praising Jesus for all of who He is. And the Lord God would have much glory through that. And this is just. This is one of. If you've been here before, this is one of my. Very also very favorite passages. So first for Hebrews one, and it describes the activity and ministry of Jesus. Long ago and at many times and in waiting ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He is the radiance and the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And again, after making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels than the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So he's kind of it's so beautiful, but he the author of Hebrews is addressing some things that Jesus is way better than, than angels. That's why the angel thing comes in. And then, but as you look at three, he is the exact, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. This is, Jesus shows us, and he, it's, uh, is it, who is it? It's it Philip that asks, show us the Father. And Jesus says, I've been with you so long. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, and then the beauty of all things, that we see how 
God creates everything through Jesus. So we see that the Trinity creates in Genesis 1. And then the beauty of everything, and just think about that, any, every speck of dust, you, anyone, and my kids have sometimes said, when this people die, they die when Jesus stops speaking them into existence, then people will die. The same with anything else. Jesus upholds everything with his word. This is how powerful the baby in the manger is. Jesus reveals God to us. God created Jesus. God created all things through Jesus. And he speaks everything into being. And he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's ready to come back. Then I again have tons of verses from Revelation. I'm going to sum them up about from 22 and from the end. Normally when we do the Christmas services, we've read from Genesis to, to this part of Revelation. Um, we see the creation, the fall, the longing for a Redeemer, and, and the Jesus coming, and then the final restoring of all things. The new heaven and earth. The conquering king coming back, setting up this new heaven, this new earth. And John says, uh, that's the last part. He, John says, he who testifies about these things, oh, that's Jesus, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come on, Jesus. The grace of the Lord be with you all. So I know, like, people would say, well, this world is still broken. Yes, it is. It is still broken. But the devil has been thrown out as we read the whole thing. The devil has been thrown out. And he cannot accuse us against, against God all the time. We saw in Job, he came, he, like we went through Job, and he came all the time and accused and accused and accused. He's been thrown out of heaven. And now we have Jesus as the advocate for us. So things have drastically changed that in Christ we can be freed from sin and not be bound in change and shame, pain, and guilt and not be able to come to God. We would never do that. But, but in Christ, we now have access to God. All the things that I said in the beginning, we needed Jesus to come. And he shows us, he shows us the way of living our lives here in humble, dependent obedience on God. That is how we are to live in this world. Now, what does it all do to do with Christmas and this Christmas for us? Well, I was just reflecting as a last point is that is this the Christmas that you've actually... Some of the stuff I said, has this been new? I mean, maybe the dragon stuff has been new, but... But, but seeing that God, that Jesus is, is the radiance of the glory of God. A humble God who comes as a baby to experience everything that you've experienced, and even worse. That God's so different than the, the God so far away who doesn't care. 
No, this God enters into creation to set us free from the sins that we committed against us and committed against us. Yes, we celebrate the child, but we celebrate what the child will do and who the child is. So is this the first, is this the first Christmas you will accept who Jesus is? And as it says, become a child of God by obedience and listening to who Jesus says he is. Is it your time to raise Christ as your Lord God and Savior and be his disciple and follow him? Is it a time for you who's followed Jesus a long time? And you do you you celebrate Christmas with great joy because when you look back you can see how much Jesus has done in your life. Is it a time to reflect and enter into some reflection on where Jesus needs to work more in you? Where I need to trust him more, where I need to follow and take up my cross or your cross to follow Jesus. And this is a strange thing. He says to take up your cross and follow him, but to what? To what John, to what John says in 10, 10. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. To enter yourself that you might enter into abundant life. But it's not found in living for yourself. It's found in humble, humble obedience to God. A lifestyle of freedom that Jesus provides. That's also why it comes to set us free. Shame, pain, guilt. That we were not good enough. And even here, like, I, <laughs> we have a few minutes. Even here, like, Abel did such a good job. But I see myself as having failed because we could have done this better. But it was in my head that I forgot to say it. So, so I think there's many things in our lives you oh, I could have done this better. Other things in our lives, like, I could have done this better, but Jesus provides even for that. My prayer for us is that to see and savor Jesus this Christmas, And enjoy and worship Him more than I did last year. That as we read all those scriptures, and I know it was like a little different languages, all lots of noise. As we read those stories, it's pretty easy. You can do it yourself and it takes maybe 15, 20 minutes if you slow read them all. All the wonderful things about who Jesus is. May those things sink into our hearts and be planted in ourselves as maybe we empty ourselves of ourselves and those things get implanted in Christ's hands. And may we then look with John saying, Lord Jesus, come. So those are just the encouragement I have, the encouragement I had to you today, um, to just savor and treasure the time you have to reflect on the incarnation. As many skeptics would say, including me and Paul and Lee would say, 
Well, this is actually something we're called to do every day. But the culture sets it up so we really get some time to reflect on the incarnation in this time. And it's, it is a very, very beautiful thing, and you don't see that in other religions. That they experience the fullness of what it means, but still being God, to set us free. Not that we earn something, but that we set free through the Lord's um, sacrifice. But also looking forward to Jesus will be glorified. And God will be glorified. Because all of our needs are going to bow to Jesus. And so I think that's something to always be joyful about. Also when our days don't go as well as we thought or we think God is late or there's a whole year of pandemic. That we have the privilege to come and encourage one another with who Jesus is. So may you really experience Jesus this Christmas season. That is my prayer. God, we thank you for this time. Um, thank you we were even able to meet. I know many people are not able to meet and church is closing down. Um, but I thank you you have kept us safe. I pray you continue to keep us safe. Lord, I really pray that as we are pondering, seeking, thinking, planning, reflecting on this year and just maybe day by day, Lord, help us to see you as wonderful and beautiful and the amazing God that you are. And in all the things that you're doing, help us, Jesus, see you as an example of how to set us free, that we can empty ourselves from ourselves and be in you and grow in obedience and love for who you are and for our neighbor. So we pray for that and ask that you work that in us and through us, that your love would be visible through us, that we would glorify you by our obedience to you day by day. Pray for any heart who is looking for peace, love, and joy. Lord, will you show yourself, even to family members this Christmas, that they might be saved and become your disciples, adopted into your family. Jesus, we thank you. Help us to believe that all these things are real and true and help them take great root in us. We thank you in Jesus' name.